somebody in this room. We managed to do that in the earlier service. And um, I'm going to ask you to be big enough to put it aside. Uh, I explained earlier in the service, if you go to a restaurant and they serve you a nice meal, oh, that's steak, I like steak, that's good. And, oh, that's potato, that's lovely, I like that. And that's peas, that's good, yeah, carrots, that's good. Mushrooms, oh, I don't really like those. You don't upend your plate and walk out in a huff and never go back there, do you? What do you do? You push it to the... We start eating mushrooms, but you push it to the side. So if you hear something in this sermon you don't like, please push it to the side and don't eat it. I had uh, one fabulous gentleman come up to me uh, after the first service and he said, Mushrooms! And I went, huh? And he said, I pushed it to the side because I don't agree with you, but I pushed it to the side. And we can see this. Not, if it's not a salvation issue, you can have an opinion. If it's a salvation issue, I think we should be all together on it, don't you? So I'm going to be talking about end times. And uh, yeah, as you can understand, and, and you, I guarantee there will be someone here who doesn't agree with me. People say, why don't you preach on eschatology, on end times all the time? It's a rich and complex subject, but... What it does is it sometimes brings division. People hold to their position so strongly that they will hurt someone else to maintain their position. And I want to urge you, whatever, if you've studied this, put it aside. You probably won't agree with me. But I want in the next, in a couple of messages, give you a bird's eye view as to what happens before Christ returns. Anybody interested? Okay, good. This week I'll talk about the signs that we should be looking for now. And next week, the controversial week. So if you, if, you, if you know everything, don't show up. But if you're not sure, show up. And uh, I'm going to talk about this, the, the way I believe the Bible lays out that the end of time is going to happen. Okay, so stay tuned for that. Now, most of us have no real idea what the Bible says about the end of time. Uh, where, as Fiona says, we're pan-tribulationists. We hope it all pans out in the end. Because we don't have an opinion because it's too complex and it's too controversial. But as you watch the news unfold on your television or your small screen, many believers are in fear, they're, they're, they're in despair, there's anxiety, there's confusion. But listen, if we learn the truth of what the Bible says, we have nothing to fear of what the news says. So I think we need to know a bit about this stuff so as to not be fearful when we look at what's going on around us. And like anything in this world these days, everybody has an opinion. So opinions are like noses. Everyone has one and most of them smell. But uh, we should have an opinion nonetheless. If you have a Bible, please open to Matthew 24. Of course, the great, <clears throat> the great uh, passage on the end of time, Matthew 24, Jesus' discourse on that. Johnny Cash had a song called Matthew 24 is knocking at the door. Well, if it was knocking back when Johnny Cash sang that, it's screaming at us right now. Because if you look at the news... Uh, which I encourage you not to do because it's full of rubbish, but if you do, then you will see things shaping up. This is what Jesus said about it from verse 3. If you have the app, it'll all be in the app with the notes and everything else in there as well. Matthew 24, verse 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, <coughs> the disciples came to him, which is Jesus, privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. So I'm hoping this morning you're not led astray. Okay? For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. 
nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning, the beginning of the birth pains. And verse 11, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Let's pray together. Lord, as we open the scriptures on this controversial topic, I pray, Father, that you would help us to place our eyes firmly upon you. To know what you have to know what you are telling us about, Lord, and not just to have opinions. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to us out of your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So the whole idea when you talk about end times, it's a fantastic thing that everyone can fight about. Um, many who get interested in the, the topic, uh, they, they study end times and they aggressively and zealously defend their point of view. And as we examine this material, I'm going to nail my colours to the mask right at the start. I'm not taking a controversial stand. I'm taking the stand that most Christians, uh, certainly born-again Christians, uh, Protestants, believe. And that is a pre-millennial view, a pre-tribulation view. I'm going to get to what that means in a moment. But it's the main view held by early church fathers. And most of the church today believes this. Some do not. And most Christians believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. So perhaps you don't agree with me. You might say, oh, Pastor Darrow, I don't agree with what you're saying here. Frankly, I don't care. Because at the end of time, one of us will be right. And, and we will, whoever is right can deliver a cosmic told you so to everybody else. I told you it was going to happen this way. And the rest will go, oh, but the guy on YouTube said this, right? In the end, one of us or some of us <laughs> will be right. Now, the Bible lays out a tribulation. It talks about a rapture. It doesn't use the word rapture, but it talks about it. And, uh, and then it talks about a millennium. Now, a few people believe, most people that I know are, are, are pre-tribulation. They believe that we're going to be raptured before the tribulation. Some people believe we'll be raptured after the tribulation, which means they've got seven years of disaster to look forward to. Some can't figure it out, so they go mid. Halfway through, we'll be raptured. Others say, well, the rapture doesn't actually happen. That's just figurative. Some people are amillennialists <coughs> who claim that we are currently in the millennium reign of Christ right now, and it's spiritual and figurative, unlike what is described in Revelation 20. Now, I'll pin my colors to the mast here. I'm not a fan of amill because... If this is the millennium, I want my money back because I can't see Jesus ruling and reigning in peace right now. I think we're in a battle, don't you? Um, so I'm not a fan of that. Plus, we've already had two millennia of the millennium. That doesn't add up. Two is bigger than one. Anyway, but that's, you know, some people hold to that view. Uh, whatever happens here, what you need to realize, and, and, and if you study this, you have to realize that Israel takes center stage in anything that happens in end times, okay? Don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. He said it in his word. The key to all end time prophetic teaching is the nation of Israel. So why, question, why is a tiny nation one third the size of Tasmania with a population of around 7 million, the main topic of conversation in almost every news bulletin on almost every country on earth? Why is it that most of the world, 
If they want to pick on another nation, why is it that most of the world chooses to be anti-Semitic, to hate Jews? Why is it? Uh, I was sharing earlier that my uh, uh, niece, uh, she's married to a Jew, and uh, their kids have Jewish names, and she's actually calling them something different in the playground to come in because she's frightened that someone will hear a Jewish name and turn on her. This is in Australia, folks. We are living in a nation that, like every other nation on earth, wants to pick on the Jews. Why? It's so, it's so little. It's a third the size of Tasmania. What's the significance? Some Christians actually believe that the church has replaced Israel in prophecy so that the church receives the blessings and the prophecies that are said towards Israel and that Israel is basically redundant. Now, my, I don't agree because I believe that we're grafted in and we share the blessings. We haven't got to oust Israel. Am I right, Peter? Thank you. But, but we share the blessings with Israel. Like it or not, if you believe that Israel is a secular state, you're right. It's a Zionistic state, secular state right now. But they have always been and are currently and will be at the center of God's plan. I didn't say it, he did. It starts in Genesis where the nation of Israel is talked about and it's still talking about him in Revelation. So you can't, in my opinion, you can't take Israel out of the picture of end times and say, oh, it's all about the church. I'm sorry, it's not. Israel features in prophecy and we, to our great joy and pleasure, are grafted in. Thank you. I knew, I, knew, I knew three or four of you would get excited about that. Now, we used to be able to say that, well, God doesn't really care about Israel. You know, they're all dispersed in the nations, etc., etc. But then Ezekiel 39 verse 28 says this, Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, because I sent them into exile among the nations and then assembled them in their own land. And on May the 14th, 1948, Israel was restored as a nation after 2,000 years of being dispersed in amongst other nations. And slowly over the years, the Jews have been returning to their homeland. In 2006, it became, Israel became the largest concentration of Jews on the planet, superseding New York. So they're coming from everywhere, they're coming back to Israel. However, Israel faces a unique situation and you'll know this if you listen to the news or you watch, you know, the, the reports of the war over there. Israel is a democratic republic surrounded by 22 hostile Islamic dis dictatorships that are 640 times her size and 60 times her population. The fact that Israel exists at all is a miracle. It's a miracle. It's surrounded by so many people that hate her. But it is also a necessary step towards the return of the king. So you may not agree with what I'm saying here. Please be big enough to lay it aside and go with us with the rest of it. If you hear something you don't like, don't upturn the plate, push it to the side and eat the rest of it, okay? But I believe Israel is central to everything that is going on. So what other signs should we be looking for? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 16, when it's evening, you'll say the weather will be fair for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, Jesus said, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. And that's really true, isn't it? We can see, we can look at the clouds and say, it's going to be rainy tomorrow. 
If you're in New Zealand, you have a 100% chance of being correct. (laughs) It is always rainy tomorrow. But when we look at world events, when we look at things that are unfolding around, we can't see it. It's not as easy to see. Jesus said, there will be signs of the times leading up to his return. Now, most of these signs we will clearly see today around us, but they will be amplified a hundredfold at a time in the future, which is called the tribulation. So get ready. I'm going to talk next week about all the controversial stuff, raptures and tribulations, and you can disagree with me then, and that's fine. Um, So what can we expect leading up to Christ's return? Well, Matthew 24 is knocking at the door. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, and I'll run through 10 things we can expect leading up to Christ's return. Number one is a time of deception. Many will come in my name, Jesus said, saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now, you look around at our society today, there are so many sects that look Christian, some of them, and they're not. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Eastern Religion, L. Ron Hubbard, Worldwide Church of God, even Jim Jones, that didn't finish so good. But, you know, they're out there. And they, 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 they come in, in the name, and they use Jesus, and they, but they, what's happening is, in some way, they're compromising the gospel. In, a, in an age of information overload with the internet and everything else people will believe anything if it's on facebook or youtube i have people send me youtube clips all the time look at this look at this you know youtube's not the bible folks there is some truth there's many truths out there there's many people preaching the right thing on youtube but there's also a lot of deception and you have to be on guard don't swallow stuff just because it's on youtube or facebook especially if it's on facebook because if, they, if you say something truthful about God on Facebook, they ban you. This has been removed because of whatever, you know. Our experts have looked at this and decided it's not. Who's the experts? You know? So be very careful about what you chew on. Secondly, a time of dissension. You will hear of wars, rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We've seen more war in the last century than ever before with an estimated 187 million people killed in last century, uh, century alone. The book of Revelation tells us to expect a period of ceaseless, unending and terrible war. It appears that we're already preparing for this time. Did you know 50% of all research science today is directed towards armed development or something to do with the military and there is at least one military weapon and 4,000 pounds of explosives for every man woman and child on the planet we are sitting on a powder keg giving off sparks right that this is happening all around us a time of devastation there will be famines you know experts say that 70 to 120 million people died of famine in the 20th century and we have more than enough food. We just don't get it to them. A time of disease. Pestilences is mentioned in, in Matthew 24, 7. New and emerging infectious diseases are occurring. Do you think it's possible that a disease can, be, can happen in our society that brings our society to its knees? Well, five years ago, I'd have said, no, of course it can't. What are you talking about? In COVID, we saw how you can control millions and millions of people using the health mandates. Because disease is one of the things mentioned here. A time of disasters. 
Earthquakes in various places, the Bible says. Well, almost 2,000 significant earthquakes occurred in the 20th century, the deadliest being this one, the uh, 2004 Indian earthquake and tsunami, which resulted in almost 230,000 fatalities. Isn't that incredible? We were actually in PP Island uh, not long after this, uh, maybe a, a month or two after the, the uh, earthquake and tsunami happened. There was still debris floating in the island. And, and the middle section, which used to be jungle, was just palm trees. Everything else had been cut like a razor right through. I mean, there is a whole lot of shaking going on, I'm telling you. And they're increasing through as the years go on. It'll be a time of death. Jesus said, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Well, according, according to Desiree News, one Christian is murdered for their faith every five minutes. People are turning against Christians like never before, even in Australia. Am I right? Have you ever, the, you old timers, have you ever seen attacks against Christianity like what's happening now? And it's only starting. We were just down in Sydney. That we, we did a cruise out of Sydney to, to Middle Earth. And um, we, we were in Sydney and we have friends coming from America. And their introduction to Australia as they walked off the train to get on, you know, to the hotel or whatever it was, was big posters advertising the gay Mardi Gras. They, they were, where, what sort of a place is Australia? Well, that's what we're like now. And they will attack us. You can't say anything against them, but they can dress up as nuns and priests and mock us on national television on the GBC. So, you know, we are going to face attacks like never before. It will be a time of disloyalty. Many will be offended. They will betray one another and will hate one another. Doesn't it look like that today? People get offended over everything. People get offended over stuff that doesn't even affect them. They have an opinion and they get so offended on behalf of somebody else who might be offended also. And if you don't believe people are easily offended, get on Facebook for five minutes. Make a statement on something, anything, doesn't matter. If someone disagrees, they will, they will fight and claw and swear and call you names and run you down. It's just terrible. People are offended by so much. So please, as I share these things about end time, don't get offended. You'll be as bad as them. A time of delusion. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Now, it should be noted that part of the delusion of the last time's religion, where they're leading people away from Christ to whatever the belief is, is wrapped around drug use. Now, interestingly, if you look at Revelation chapter 9, verse 21, it talks about sorceries as being, being part of this whole scenario. Now, sorceries, the Greek word for sorcery is pharmakia, which is for pharmacy. So what they're telling us, it's an ancient reference to people using mind-altering substances in association with false religions. So drug use is going to increase rapidly before Jesus comes back. We have the promise there. It's a time of defection because lawlessness will abound, Jesus said. The love of many will grow cold. People will turn away from God and only the faithful remnant will remain. Do you know, it's, uh, and I, I couldn't find figures for this um, on YouTube, uh, no, on anything. Um, we all know Google's 
another way of saying God these days, so it seems to have, hold all the answers, but it's not, of course. But I, I, someone told me one time that it is estimated, and it's only an estimate, that, that uh, half of the, com- of the professed Christians on the coast don't attend church. They've been offended by something, upset about something, or drifted away, or whatever. So we live in a, in a time where people's love grows cold. It really does. And, and when you say to people, when you say, I want to talk to you about Jesus, yeah, I tried that, it didn't work. He's not an it. And he never doesn't work. Like, like, like he never, he always works. But, but people come in and they say, well, I try, I'll try it, I'll give it a go. I'm telling you, if you give Jesus a go this morning, he comes through for you. He changes your life, am I right? It's a time of declaration. The gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations. This has not happened yet, but it must happen before Jesus returns. So you're sitting here going, man, that is all, that just sounds like terrible bad news, all of that. Well, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. There's more to come. All of these signs sound pretty bad, but Jesus described these as the beginnings of the birth pains. There is far more to come. Greater pain, greater devastation, greater fear. So if you watch the news, be comforted by the fact that things are only going to get worse because they are. Does that, do you find that upsetting? Do you find that distressing? We shouldn't. It's just the way it is going to go. David Jeremiah writes this, As bad as it could be today in our world, it could and will get worse. A restraining influence in our world holds back this dark satanic tide of perversion and lawlessness in check. Who has the power to restrain Satan? Only God. And God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, it is he who draws the line today and keeps the ocean of evil at bay. The only reason we're not already in the tribulation is that we are here and we carry the Spirit of God within us. And we say, no, I'm not going to accept that. Does this kind of talk depress you? Does it fill you with hopelessness? It shouldn't because our hope is in Jesus and in his word, not in the television, not in the news stations. Okay? We need to have our hope in God's word. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says this, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. We looked at this when we talked about heaven. We don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. Because when we die, the Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. When we die, we are going to go to be with the Lord. So why should we grieve? We should grieve... Because people that we love don't accept Christ. That's, that's the disaster. But when we love the Lord, we can be sure that we will see one another again. So don't get worried and fearful when you see what's happening in the news. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. So next week we'll talk about all the controversial stuff. And I'm sure I'll have uh, several theologians here who will sort me out on that. But for now... What I do have to tell you is we are already seeing signs of of this happening all around us. So the take-home message from from this is is this. We need to get serious about serving Jesus. This is not the time to float through life. So what does it all mean for us? We should study these things to give us hope. 
Jesus has promised to return and we will be with him forever. So what, what should we do about studying this? How, how, do, how should we respond to all this sort of teaching? Because quite frankly, if you go out into the world, people are depressed by what is going on around them. Do you know, the younger generation, they've run surveys. There is more anxiety and depression amongst our youth than ever before. Than ever before in the history of mankind. They have more stuff, more technology, more, more connection with the, the World Wide Web and everything else. But they are more depressed and more anxious. You know why? Because they're taking their existence from that and not from the Word of God. And here's the thing, they are so down and depressed. When they ran a survey of young people and said, why, why are you so anxious? What is it that's keeping you up at night? Why are you so depressed? You know what the number one answer in their survey was? Climate change. We have a generation that's worried sick about climate change because they've swallowed all the stuff that's been dished. Now, I think that we should take care of our planet because I just like our planet. Right? I think we should take care of things. I think we should not pollute it. But I'm not going to fall for this stuff that we're going to, you know, that, that our generation is ruining everything. Every generation's ruined everything. We had a, 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 one of our relatives got stuck into Fiona one time because she didn't, we had a party and she threw all the plastics in the one thing and chucked it, chucked it out because she just didn't want to separate everything out. And this person said, that's terrible. You're killing the... Your generation has killed the planet. And, and Fiona said, really? Because my generation used cloth nappies. You know, my generation didn't chuck stuff away. Don't go into the blame game on this sort of stuff. We should take care of our planet, 100% in favour of that. But don't fall for the anxiety and lies that are being peddled out there because the answer to it all is Jesus Christ. So how should we respond to this sort of teaching? I'll wrap it up with this. Number one, we should stand fast. Folks, this is not the time for country club Christianity or to go chasing new ideas and doctrines. We must stand firm on the truths that we know are unshakable. Do I hear an amen? 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 15, Paul writes this to Timothy. So then, brothers, stand firm, hold to the traditions... That you, were taught, that, that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by the letter. Paul's saying to the Thessalonians, listen, you guys, don't go chasing after everything else. Stand firm to what we taught you. Don't go wandering off after everything else. Just because it's on YouTube doesn't mean it's gospel. And we, we, our whole generation, this is all of us, old timers as well, right? We are the shiny object generation. I'm going to do this with my life for the law. I wonder what that is. What was that? What was that? And we don't focus on anything. We just, whatever comes along. Oh, oh, there's a new thing here. Oh, let's follow that. Let's, let's pursue that. Let's get back to the gospel. Let's get back to the word of God. Let's stand firm on what God has for us. Number two, we should keep loving and not judging. Another controversial statement. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5 says this. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, 
who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. It is so easy for us to judge others who sin differently to what we do. That's putting it plainly. You know, you can see other people. Fiona has this conversation with people all the time. Uh, Because at Lily House, you've got single mothers there. They've clearly sinned. But say, you know, who among us has no sin? Raise your hand. Right? We've all sinned. So we shouldn't judge one another because we sin differently. Gay people, transgenders, adulterers, single mums, alcoholics, drug addicts. Listen, we are called to judge their actions, yes, but not the people. We can say, I don't agree with what you do. I believe it is wrong, but I'll never stop treating you with love and respect. You don't have to agree with them, but you must not condone what they do, but you still have to love them with the unconditional love of God. I have a friend. Uh, we, we went to a... a, a um, like a sort of a lunchtime thing with him and, and we were driving to it and I said, he was from my business group and I said to my wife, I said, um, I haven't met Michael's wife yet. Is, is he married? Or she said, I think he's gay. I said, no, of course he's not. But he was. And we turned up there and, and it was him and his gay partner and there were like uh, three or four gay couples and, and two straight couples. I was one of them. Well, I was half of one of them. And uh, anyway, we're having a good time. Yeah, I'm glad that impresses you. <laughs> um, but we're having a good time. And, and, and you know, and, and we're, just, we're just having dinner together and we're eating together and that sort of stuff. Anyway, conversation went around the table and what do you do for a living? <laughs> I'm like, well, so it comes to me, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pastor. Foomp. Silence. And I noticed them getting together in little groups and muttering in the corner. I thought they must be blessing me. (laughs) Anyway, my friend eventually came over to me. He said, I have to ask you this question before we go on. I said, yes. He said, do you approve of our lifestyle? Whoa. I've got some of you all thinking now. How do you answer that? And I said to him, no, I do not. But I said, my lifestyle is traveling the world telling people about Jesus. I I bet you don't approve of my lifestyle. So if you don't approve of my lifestyle, I I don't approve of yours. Can we just lay him aside and be mates? He said, that is the best answer I've ever heard. All he wanted was to be loved. He knows I don't agree with him. But he loved, he knew he was loved. He was cared for. He went back and they natted together. Then they all came back to the table and we were all friends again. You can love people without condoning what they do, okay? So don't fall into the lie that if you love them, you'll you'll agree with everything that they do. I love my children. I don't agree with everything they do. I love my wife. I don't agree with everything she does. It's true. She loves me and she doesn't agree with most of what I do. But... Love has to be separated from agreeing with people's actions and response. You can love someone you don't agree with. Just don't, don't say, yeah, I agree with you. Next up, 
We can keep meeting together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, the day, the day of his return drawing near. So many people, particularly since COVID, think that watching some famous preacher on YouTube constitutes church. It doesn't. And people leave church over all sorts of reasons these days. Uh, this morning, uh, just as we were sitting around to do our quiet times, Fiona got a message from someone who's leaving our church because someone did something that, that, that offended them and so they're leaving our church. They wanted to let us know. It wasn't me. It wasn't her. It wasn't our leadership. It wasn't the church. It was just somebody else in church. And we went, okay. Um, Fiona said, what do I say? I said, J- just say, God bless you. We hope you find a church that doesn't offend you she didn't write that but that's what I suggested Um, because if you go out to church if you're looking for the perfect church and you find it don't join it you'll mess it up because you're sinful and it won't there is no perfect church out there until the Lord returns but the Bible says don't give up meeting together so staying at home Can you be a Christian and just watch YouTube and still be a Christian? Yes, you can. You can be married and not live with someone, but it's not the normal thing. If you're married to them, you kind of want to hang out with them, I'm hoping. So, But many people feel that they can stay at home and and watch famous preachers and that's enough for church. It is not. You can be a Christian and do that, absolutely, but you're a disobedient Christian because the Bible says don't stop meeting together. Um, now, I do have to tell you that as good as some of the online teaching might be, T.D. Jakes, Joyce Meyer, Bill Johnson, John MacArthur, whoever you're into, however wonderful preachers they might be or might not be, they don't know who you are. They don't have a clue who you are. It's not church. Church is a community. It's a fellowship. We can join together and fellowship. We can worship together. We can serve together. We can outreach together. If you just watch people online, that's teaching. That's perfectly okay, but it's not your church. They don't know who you are. They don't have a clue. Your pastor should, or some pastor should. Real church is where we get together, we find a community, and together we reach out to the rest of our community. That's what church is. It's the body of Christ reaching our community. So don't fall away in that area. Keep meeting together. Keep coming to church. Some of you say, gosh, it's it's so hard to get up in the morning. That's why we have this service, so you don't have to get up so early. And you can make it to church. So don't stop meeting, whether it's here or anywhere else, don't stop meeting together. It's important in the scope of things as we reach the end times. The next thing is keep sharing the gospel. (coughs) 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 to 2. Paul says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Keep preaching the word. Does that mean you have to bash everybody with a Bible wherever you go? No. It just means keep shining the light. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. There are so many opportunities to, to tell people about Jesus out there. Josh knows all of them, and they're all at the gym. 
I was going to go to Jim, but I thought I might run into Josh and he'll start preaching to me. But that guy has a heart to win people for Christ. I love it. And don't be frightened to speak out. Someone says, well, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I went to church. It's it's an opportunity. Because many will say, what did you do that for? Because I love it. Because it's my community. It's my fellowship. You've got a chance to share with them. You see, there's so many opportunities. People are more ready to hear than we are to herald. So I want to encourage you. Because the time is short, make sure you're out there sharing the gospel with someone. Now is not the time to have a nice life and cruise your way into heaven. Spurgeon said this, Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. The strong words. But we should maximize our impact on this doomed world. Is that right? And finally, set our minds on heaven. Colossians 3 verse 2, set your mind on things above not on earthly things. You see, this world is not our home and Jesus is coming soon. And if you're not sure of of, of how this is going to roll out, come next week, you'll get a theory. How do I know? I haven't been there yet, but it's what I believe the Bible talks about. But I think all of us will agree the writing is pretty clearly on the wall round about now on our television sets, don't you think? Can't you see that the, the, the things are building up to a climax? So get encouraged and get busy devoting yourself to serving the Lord as the time draws near. Matthew 24, therefore you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Luke 18, 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? See, Jesus comes, he can come for us at any time. And when he does, he's coming to take us home to be with him. So when he returns, let's be busy about the master's business. Do I hear an amen? And his business is bringing the world to him. I believe that we are, we are living in the greatest time for Christians to be alive in the history of the world. Because we, what we read about in the Bible, we are seeing happening all around us. So it shouldn't distress us. It should encourage us. It should enthuse us to make the most of the time that we have for the days are evil. So I want to encourage you in any way you can, get involved in what's happening here at Ignite because we want to make an impact on our community because the time is short and the days are evil. It's coming, folks. You can't hold this stuff back. God's not going to call it all off just because you don't get it. These are real events that's happening all around us, but the exciting thing is that I've read the book. I know who wins. And whether, whether I'm right or someone else is right, it doesn't matter. Because what we have to agree on the gospel and the things of, of God, the things of the gospel. We can disagree on all the other bits and pieces. But let's agree on what's important. You know? I think it, it's, it's the greatest time to, to be alive. We are going to watch the next 10 years, you are going to see the Bible unfold around you like you've never seen before. And some of it will be painful. But thank God... He loves us, and we keep our eyes on him. Do I hear an amen? So what I want to do is something a little bit different to finish up today. I believe that the time is short and the days are evil and our prayers matter. Do I hear an amen to that? So today, as we finish up, uh, we'll finish with a song in a little bit, but what I want you to do is to grab a couple of people around you. might be people you don't know. Maybe you do know them, I don't know. But get together with a couple of people and I want you to think of two 
names of people you love who don't know Christ and let's pray and believe for their salvation. Is that good? Leanne tells me we did this on Tuesday night. I didn't know. But I think, that's a, I think it's a fabulous thing for us to do because the days are short and our prayers matter. And we need to pray and believe God for the people we... I want to go to heaven with the people I love, don't you? We need to not be flippant about this and float through life. The stuff we get upset about is not important. The stuff we worry about, most of it, the vast majority of it, 99% of it, never even happens. Worry is like a rocking horse. It keeps your mind occupied, but you don't actually get anywhere. Just on the spot. So we need to lay that aside, focus on heaven, and believe the Lord for salvation all around us. Do I hear an amen? So as we finish up, why don't you just get together in little groups of twos, threes, fours, or whatever, and think of two names of people you love who are not Christians, and let's believe for them to be saved. Can we do that? Then we'll finish with a song in a few moments.